outrageous acts of Illinois House progressives to pass Kill Babies Bill. I wrote this last Friday, and I quote myself, Regressives got a pledge from the thoroughly corrupt Mike Madigan, who rules Madiganiston with a blood-stained fist, to speedily advance Kelly Cassidy's radical abortion bill by any unethical means possible, preventing due deliberation and preventing those who seek to defend life a chance to marshal their forces against it, end quote. When I wrote those words, I had no idea how low Madigan and State Representative Kelly Cassidy would stoop in their unholy quest to make Illinois the land of liquidation, baby liquidation, that is. On Sunday night during Memorial Day weekend, when most Illinoisans took time to honor the men and women who have sacrificed their comfort, time, safety, and lives to secure our freedom, Illinois House Speaker Mike Madigan revealed again the fetid rot that has devoured him and much of the Illinois General Assembly. He suddenly scheduled a meeting of the Appropriations Human Services Committee to vote on Cassidy's loathsome Kill Babies Bill, deceptively named the Reproductive Health Act, with only one hour's notice. This bill will, among other things, legalize human slaughter throughout the whole ninth months of pregnancy for any or no reason, including sex selection, and encode in law the repugnant notion that unborn humans have zero rights. Early this Tuesday afternoon, the Illinois House passed Cassidy's Kill Babies bill by a vote of 64 to 50, with four voting present. Now moves to the Illinois Senate, which has a greater percentage of liberals. Here are some of the stinking rotten details of the egregious violation of public trust that took place Sunday night and of which many Illinoisans may be unaware. Cassidy introduced her original Kill Babies bill on February 13th, but it never received even a hearing, so she tweaked it a bit to make it more offensive to the consciences of decent people, including specifically denying that humans in the womb have any legal rights. Then, on Sunday, May 26th, Cassidy and her accomplices gutted a different bill, that is, the Mental Health and Developmental Disabilities Code, that had already moved through the first three of the five steps of the legislative process, replacing it with her Kill Babies bill as an amendment to the now gutted bill. This enables Cassidy's bill to circumvent the regular lawmaking process before the legislative session ends on May 31st. Madigan's House rules require a minimum of one hour's notice between the posting of a bill and its hearing and vote in committee. Cassidy and her accomplices posted the new 126-page amendment at 6.08 p.m. on Sunday night during a holiday weekend and scheduled the hearing at 7.08 p.m., thereby preventing opponents from attending and speaking out against it. The supposed suddenness of the meeting explains why Cassidy had an ACLU attorney present with a polished four-minute disquisition and an abortionist with a five-minute presentation, while opponent speakers Ralph Rivera, representing Illinois Right to Life Action, and Zachary Wickman, representing the Catholic Conference of Illinois, were able to make only extemporaneous comments. At the beginning of the meeting, committee members were given a thick packet of letters from only proponents of the Kill Babies Bill. The spanking new Kill Babies Bill slash huge amendment 
was assigned to the House Appropriations Human Services Committee, chaired by State Representative Robin Gable, who is a former training coordinator for Planned Parenthood. The bill did not belong in this committee because it contained no appropriations. It was assigned to that committee because that's the committee where it was assured to pass. In an inspiring must-see statement, State Representative Tom Demmer succinctly addressed the violations of the public's trust and the spirit of laws intended to increase the transparency of the lawmaking process that took place Sunday night. Please go to this article online where I have the timestamps so you can watch Demmer. Far-left freshman state representative Bob Morgan tried futilely to dismiss the ethical implications of what Madigan did in calling this hearing by saying that the Reproductive Health Act has been out for months, so constituents had plenty of time to make their voices heard. Yeah, right. Nothing to see there. Pay no attention to Madigan hiding behind the curtain. It's completely unimportant that leftists gutted an existing bill to substitute in Cassidy's radical and pernicious kill babies bill. And it's completely unimportant that the hearing was scheduled on Sunday night during a holiday weekend. And it's completely unimportant that Cassidy's 126-page amendment was posted the minimum amount of time required by law before a hearing commences, making it impossible for constituents or experts to show up to testify in opposition to this proposal. State Representative Tony McCombie, a woman, responded that the issue isn't whether constituents had sufficient time to express their views to their lawmakers. The issue is that because of Madigan's decision to suddenly call the committee meeting on Sunday night on a holiday weekend with only one hour's notice, Illinoisans were denied the opportunity to express their views at the committee hearing. Unlike the ACLU attorney and the abortionist, Rivera and Wickman were denied the opportunity to develop and present polished presentations. Another hero of the evening was State Representative Darren Bailey, who asked how many of the 39,832 abortions performed in Illinois in 2017 were medically necessary to preserve the health or life of pregnant women, which are the reasons emphasized by abortion shouters to justify the slaughter of humans in the womb. Cassidy admitted she has no idea because the state does not collect such information. Of course, it's a moot issue since allowing abortion to protect the health of the mother is so wildly expansive that it includes any and no reason. In an effort to silence Bailey, Cassidy demonstrated, again, how manipulative and deceitful she is, saying in an increasingly hostile and aggressive tone, and I quote, I will tell you that my abortion was medically necessary. It saved my life. It preserved my fertility. It allowed for the creation of my family, my children who are my world, end quote. Cassidy knew that no white man in this anti-white, anti-male climate would dare ask any follow-up questions following her faux, indignant, and irrelevant revelation. Well, here's what Cassidy didn't say in her exploitative and misleading response, but has said publicly to the Chicago Sun-Times. Her abortion followed fertility treatments that resulted in a blighted ovum implanted in her uterus and in an ectopic pregnancy, which is when a fertilized egg implants in a fallopian tube rather than the uterus. The termination of an ectopic pregnancy is not referred to as an abortion, And with a blighted ovum, 
There is no embryo, so her personal story is irrelevant. As McCombie was expressing graciously her sympathy for Cassidy's experience, Cassidy, oozing open hostility at the lawmaker's compassion, interrupted her to say, I'm not sorry. I'm deeply grateful that this option was available. Well, we're all grateful that women can have ectopic pregnancies terminated, which need not involve the intentional killing of a fetus. And we're all grateful that anembryonic, that is to say no embryo, blighted ova can be removed via a DNC. But women would have those ethical options even if abortion were banned. Perhaps Cassidy would compromise with Republicans and agree to limit the termination of pregnancies to ectopic pregnancies and the removal of blighted ova, or as she refers to hers, abortions. Ectopic pregnancies account for 1% to 2% of pregnancies, and 93% of that 1% to 2% result in miscarriages. So, such a compromise would reduce the number of humans killed in the womb by a lot. Bailey, who urged a no vote on what he rightly called, quote, this disgusting bill, end quote, noticed something odd in the changes Cassidy made to her kill babies bill, something that exposes Cassidy's anti-science, anti-reality ignorance. He asked her why she replaced the word woman with individual when referring to those seeking an abortion. Cassidy, obviously enthralled to the science-denying trans ideology, defiantly refused to answer Bailey's easy-peasy questions. Bailey asked, You've changed woman to individual. Who else can get pregnant besides a woman? Cassidy answering stiffly, Anyone with a uterus and ovaries can become pregnant. Bailey asked, So someone other than a woman can get pregnant? Cassidy answered, Anyone with a uterus and ovaries can become pregnant. Bailey tried again. Does anyone other than a woman have a uterus? Cassidy answered, anyone with a uterus and ovaries can become pregnant. It's a good thing Cassidy, the Stepford lawmaker, who robotically repeated the trans mantra, isn't also a biology teacher. Cassidy said, and I quote, These efforts to outlaw abortion have the greatest impact on the most vulnerable populations, end quote. Say what? Was Cassidy about to express her concern for fetuses with Down syndrome? Was she about to express her concern for babies aborted because their mothers don't like their sex? Was she about to express concern for black babies who are being targeted by Planned Parenthood? (laughs) Nope. No compassion for those vulnerable populations from Cassidy. Her concern was purportedly for, quote, women of color and the poor, end quote. Of course, everyone knows Cassidy's central concern is about preserving the legal right of women to hire people to kill their offspring, whether those women are poor women of color or wealthy, colorless women. Please go to this article online. I've provided timestamps so you can watch Demer, Bailey, Bourne, McCombie, Bryant, as well as Avery Bourne, all of whom should be listened to.